I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. The Self-Helpful Podcast is brought to you by Ziggler, your premier source for equipping life and leadership coaches. Visit Ziggler.com and let them inspire your true coaching performance. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for joining me as I talk with today's most important influencers, guides, and changemakers to uncover what truly drives them and extract the big takeaway from their personal journey and their greatest wisdom. I'm your host, Kevin Miller, and this is Self-Helpful. In this episode, I wrap up our series on emotional power. Uh, This is the big idea, the big takeaway, and the big action. That's always my wrap-up. These are after incredible discussions with Dr. Julia DeGange, author of Energy Rising, The Neuroscience of Leading with Emotional Power, and also a discussion with Britt Frank, author of The Science of Stuck, Breaking Through Inertia to Find Your Path Forward. Here, I'm taking the opportunity to pull out some of the primary issues that I see that we are blind to as a culture regarding emotions. We're just seeing it wrong. For context, I'm now focused on a goal of emotional mastery, or you could say spending the rest of my life endeavoring to better master my emotions. I'd ask you to think about it like mastering a team of majestic horses pulling your cart, right? You do so by gently yet firmly joining with them and nurturing them along, along with yourself to make progress in the desired direction. You don't let them run loose by venting and emoting, and you also don't stuff and deny them or get rid of them. And the heart of your emotional mastery is not really leading those horses per se, but first leading yourself. And again, most all of us hearing this right now are existing on the side, one or the other, of that unfettered emotions, negative feelings that are running amok and overwhelming you, or I'd say imprisoned emotions, walled off, rejected, ignored emotions. Both sides are controlling you. They are leading you. This is your chance to start understanding and then leading and mastering your emotions. And from that, your life. So here we go with seven keys for emotional mastery and then a big action for us all to take. All right. Number one, emotional mastery is not stuffing your emotions or being controlled by them. We recently did a series on manhood and our culture has historically trained men, especially to be unemotional, to reject, deny, and ignore emotions. I mean, that's great on a battlefield. I keep bringing that up or a sports arena or other acute moments in life. 
But think of it like wearing a bulletproof vest in a dangerous moment. It's great for that dangerous moment. But then you leave that moment and you enter into regular life, like say dinner, the dinner table or the bedroom. Well, we've hurt ourselves by thinking that that vest is our skin, something we wear all the time. And it's not. You won't enjoy the glories of life above the level of your emotional capacity. I should know. I've been ignorant of my emotions most of my life, and I've greatly limited my joy overall. Now, on the other hand, just being, let me point this out, just being emotional, especially overly emotional and acting in accordance with whatever you feel, that's not helping you either. And it's hurting people as much or more as those who are stuffing their emotions. Neither side is good. We tend to look at a polarized place. And I want to make a big note on that aspect of being emotional and being emotionally expressive. That does not make you emotionally powerful. That does not make you emotionally intelligent or in tune with your own emotions or in tune with the emotions of others. It simply means means that you feel emotions, okay? But you're no better off than someone who doesn't feel their emotions and they're stuffing them. Neither of you are mastering your emotions. You're being mastered by them. It's a big, important point. Number two, emotions are your team. Kind of like the horse concept I, I mentioned in the intro. It was, so it was Britt Frank in our discussion in part two who brought the concept to my attention. I, I just love it. I had a therapist recommend to me Brene Brown's latest book, Atlas of the Heart, where her research reveals 87 human emotions. These emotions exist in us, period. Rejecting, belittling them, criticizing them, rejecting them. It doesn't work. Think of them, again, like the horses pulling your wagon, or let's say the players on your sports team, or the employees in your business, your place of work. But in this case, they're all entities that you cannot fire. These are your emotions. You can't get rid of them. They exist, and they have a purpose. And unless you're a psychopath, they are going to surface from time to time. I've been a little psychopathic where I haven't even allowed them to surface. I stuffed them. Well, you can seek health so that you understand them, recognize them. They don't lead you, though. You lead them. You recognize them. You understand them. You lead them. They are there for a reason. That's the big point. Again, for myself specifically, I spent a life neglecting my team my emotional team. So I jointly didn't get the benefit of them and, or I was unknowingly controlled by them. And for me and many others in my ignorance or fear, I just threw them in a dungeon and became fairly numb as I tried to protect myself. So I also protected myself from the deep valleys and the great mountaintops. I built walls that isolated myself. I'm now working to take those walls down and experience the emotions, but again, not let them lead me, uh, not let them own me, but to understand and lead them. Again, I'll say it again. The other side is being totally led. You believe everything and act on everything and, and behave in every way that you feel. No better off either. And in some ways, I think those are more outward expressions that may have the chance to hurt people even more so. I'm not going to debate that one. Either way, we're saying neither of them are good. Neither of them are mastery. Number three, emotions are the final judge of your experiences. Julia DeGange, Dr. Julia DeGange, she brought that. It was in her book. How do you feel about X? That's really all that matters. The objective reality is often inconsequential. Something happened. And especially if it's not life or death, which few things are, but we may make it life or death depending on our own fears, our insecurities, our bitterness, our unhealthy programming, our traumas and disappointments. 
What gets me then is if we're not aware of our emotions, how can we trust our perception of any experience? If you're not aware of your emotions, again, not aware, meaning you're stuffing them or you just believe whatever you feel either way. How can you trust your experience or your perception of any experience? And how can you therefore also understand anyone else's perception? You can't even understand your own. We tend to just believe whatever we feel. And some of our emotions are just whacked. They're not clear. Dr. DeGange talked about an fMRI, a functional MRI. It measures your brain activity from emotional response. So uh, think about if you have these, this fMRI hooked up and you are shown a bunch of different stimuli, visions, anything for the senses, smells, uh, 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 things you hear. And they're just to say that they're benign. I mean, a spider in and of itself that you see is benign, but you can have a dramatic fear. What is that? Arachnophobia is the, uh, the phobia of that. Uh, I mean, the, the ocean, you can see a picture of an ocean and think, gosh, that may be great. Well, for somebody who almost drowned or can't swim or somebody threw them in the water when they were little, they could have a huge fear. Again, the objective reality is benign. It's our feeling that we have behind it, not to minimize that feeling, but it's just a feeling where somebody could see the ocean and just, oh, deep glory and peace and fulfillment in their soul. And somebody else sees it with abject terror. Well, it's not right or wrong. It's not black or white. It's not good or bad. It's not healthy or, uh, well, you can make a case for that, that some's health, healthy or unhealthy. Either way, though, it's just a perception, a relevant perception, but that's how we tend to see life. We're going to talk about more, more about that in just a second. I mean, car wrecks, dark alleys, an angry man, whatever. We can have these feelings around them. If I see a picture of an angry man, I just think, I oh, what a jerk. It doesn't scare me. Very different for somebody else with a de- different uh, perception. But uh, just to realize that we have some innate things programmed in us that cause us to have perceptions of things that are unhealthy. We just need to know about those so we can work through those. So these unhealthy perceptions are not becoming our realities and our beliefs. We're going to talk about that in just, just a second. Number four, discounting your, emotional, your emotions is self-betrayal. Man, Dr. DeGange brought that to us. That's big. She called it self-division. One part of you is acting in one direction while another part is feeling in the opposite direction. Most of today, you will be indoors, likely your home or your office. I am as well. Even with my treks out into the woods, I spend a lot of time inside. And we're going to think about 20,000 breaths. According to the EPA, the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air, sometimes up to a hundred times more polluted. At my studio, we have heat being forced through old ducts. I walk on carpet full of years of junk. No idea what's floating in the air that I'm taking constant gulps of. The solution is an air purifier and Air Doctor is just the best. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen, pet dander, dust mites, mold, bacteria, viruses. They do it so your lungs don't have to. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks off. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit. 
which is an additional $84 value. So to get this special offer, go to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com. Use promo code Kevin, airdoctorpro.com, promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Okay. I just, goodness, you know, I'll use myself as an example. I sit here for those of you watching the video, which you can do at YouTube, find me at Kevin Miller CO are seeing me in a sling. And I've mentioned this on a couple shows, depends on what you've heard. So as of this recording, I am, let's see, how many am I? Five days post a big bike wreck. So I was in Taos, New Mexico on the South boundary trail, big epic ride following this dude who is a national champion downhiller. Okay. I'm not, I'm pretty good on the bike. I'm not a national champion, but I'm trying to follow this guy through some really sketchy stuff. I lost it. I, I don't know that I've ever had a wreck this bad. I have seven broken bones. Um, so I'm out on this trail three miles out and wreck, just kill it. 11 guys are with me. Seven. I didn't know it then, but seven broken bones. I'm in serious pain, a partially collapsed lung. Well, I got to walk out. I mean, I guess they could have life lighted me or something, but it wasn't that. I wasn't dying at the moment. Um, there's a good time to say, okay, here's how I feel. I feel like I'm going to freaking die. Uh, but I think, oh, I'm going to take a deep breath and, and I'm going to make it out. Okay, that's an okay time to uh, you know have the bulletproof vest on, to be ready out on the battlefield or, or whatever, and to deny my feelings a little bit. But I need to go forward then. And, you know, I finally made it to the ER and there they're saying, okay, be real. We need to know what's happening. How's your pain scale? And then they're ultimately taking x-rays and saying, buddy, you got seven broken bones. For the record, they're all, as far as breaks goes, they're not horrific. They weren't compound fractures. They'll heal. I don't, I don't even need surgery on them, but I'm going to be very, very, very fragile for um, a good while. Well, now I need to fess up with, you know, and I end up home and family saying, oh my gosh, what can we do for you? And just going, ah, nothing, you know, I can do anything. I, you know, I can have to have to have the trash out of the thing. I mean, it's just, that's dumb, but that's what we tend to do emotionally. That's what I tend to do emotionally. Here's things, not broken bones, but feelings that I'm having. And I'm going, man, I feel scared. I feel angry. I feel disgusted. I feel betrayed. I feel abandoned. I feel rejected. I feel um, humiliated. That's one that I, uh, through therapy, I realized that I can tap into that certain things I want, I want to be, I want to be, I want to come off a certain way and certain things can make me feel humiliated. Well, understanding that helps me 
a lot to get that feeling out on the table and deal with it. Um, we, instead of just stuffing it and going, no, dude, I feel humiliated right now, but nope, nope. I'm just going to, I'm just going to march on indefinitely doesn't work. So getting in touch with it and what that means, again, it doesn't mean you're super Mr. or Mrs. Emotional, um, but maybe it's journaling about it. Maybe it's talking to a therapist about it. Maybe it's doing a meditation and thinking about it. Here's uh, some things that Dr. Deganji laid out as examples of self-division. Promising to do something for yourself, but then you don't. Standing up for yourself, but you don't. Having a boundary and then not honoring it. Wanting to speak up, but you keep your mouth shut. Man, I thought I was valiant so often in doing that. And obviously, if it's keeping my mouth shut so that I don't tell somebody they're a jerk, okay. But this is saying, keep my mouth shut, was saying, gosh, man, you said something or did something. I really feel, made me feel scared or made me feel humiliated, you know, or, or, or whatever. Um, and not being honest, keeping my mouth shut is, is creating bitterness towards that person by proxy. Another example, wanting to connect to people, but withdrawing instead. Wanting to tell the truth, but staying silent. And she says, she goes on to say, it's not because there's any often, not because there's any objective danger in doing any of those things, but because it feels so emotionally, too emotionally intense to stay aligned with the truth of our energy. Meaning I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling bad, but it's just too intense. So I'm just going to pacify. I'm going to forfeit. I'm going to ac acquiesce uh, to somebody else usually or to a situation. And she said, the enduring problem is not what other people did or said, it's, but it's from the moment that we rejected ourselves. Folks, again, I, I'm, this is my show. I have on who I want. I, I had on uh, this topic because that's what I have done. I rejected myself and it has hurt me. And if it hurts me, then it has been down the line. It hurts everybody I'm around. It hurts my relationships. And I robbed people of intimacy and vulnerability. Number five, how you feel is only about you. Okay, now this wasn't really part of this segment of these two conversations, but of some work I'm doing outside of this that I'll bring to the show at a later date. But I, I wanted to point it out any, anyways here. How you feel is about you. This is important because what I thought, thought, there's the key point there. I think, I think, I think that, you know, that person is a jerk. And I said, okay, no, no, get to what you feel. And I just tried to replace the word I think with I feel. I feel that person's a jerk. I didn't do it. That wasn't about what I felt. What I felt is what I felt. So if I like that, I feel you're stupid. That's not a feeling. That's a judgment, an evaluation of you. I'm saying that because you did something or said something that made me feel something negative. What is that feeling? Okay, Bob, this is what happened. <clears throat> this is what I perceive happened. This is what you did. This is what I perceive you did. And I felt that. I felt angry at you. I, I, I felt, uh, I felt uh, defensive. I felt, um, I felt rejected by you. I felt like you were betraying me, dude. I mean, those are the real feelings. That's not weak to say. That's, that would be a, a relevant one. If I've got a business partner or a spouse or uh, a, a teammate or whatever that I, so they did something, they didn't uh, pay attention to me and value, I felt like they didn't value me. And I, man, it felt betraying. 
And I can say, you jerk, man. I really felt bad. I felt betrayed by that. Okay, that's honest. Saying they're a jerk, that's a that's a subjective, you know, thing. But the thing is, uh, is and I could turn it around too. Somebody said, Kevin, you jerk. I said, Oh man. Okay, so I did X. You must be. You're feeling something, aren't you? Yeah, I'm feeling you're a jerk. What? No. What? So when I did that, how did it make you feel? Did it make you feel you know get betrayed, abandoned? There's 87 emotions. Go read Brene Brown's book. But it made you feel, that's what we're talking about. Your feelings are about you. They're not about somebody else. Man, that's hard for me to conceptualize. So I spent my life evaluating and judging things that happened and people instead of how, what did I feel? Because what they did may have been benign or they may have been a bully. They may have been malicious, but either way, it's what I felt. I could have a bully do something to me today that didn't really hurt my feelings. I may... I may have a boundary and go, I'm going to run from you or I'm going to you know, break your nose to stop the bulliness or whatever, but it doesn't make me feel bad about myself, which is at the core of what we're talking about. Most of our negative emotions are things that we're, we're feeling bad inside. That's what we're trying to get in touch with. Number six, and this is straight out of Dr. DeGange's book, Energy Rising. She actually has eight codes. This is number two, and I'm pulling it out. It's so powerful. And it's about building your power pattern. These are just statements and I'm just going to give them to you and you can chew on them, make notes about them, rewind this. She said, we overlay our perspective on everything. So again, if you want to build your emotional power, your power pattern to realize your patterns, we overlay our perspective on everything. If I am to use that old quote, if I am afraid of snakes, deathly afraid of snakes. And I go across, I go down a trail that's got a lot of fallen limbs. I am prone to see every limb as a snake. That's my perspectives. I'm, I'm laying down on what is just a bunch of broken limbs. Now I live out here in Colorado. I am a little, I've got a healthy concern for snakes, but I live out here in Colorado in the high mountains where we really don't have any snakes, almost none. And if they are, it's just little snakes. I never see snakes in my mind. Everything I see is a stick. If I did see a snake, it would be a stick. Either way, we're saying it's a perspective. It's not based on reality. Often we make quick judgments based on our perspective. We need to know that. And we can go through all the areas of life and look at the places that we're at. we have fear, we have trauma that we just feel weak in. We have some disappointment in, we have some negative overlays on and just realize, gosh, my propensity in this situation, my propensity with money is to see it as a negative and to be afraid of it or have a scarcity mindset. It's good to know. I'm going to come to everything with that and I can manage that. I can master that. Another statement that Dr. DeGange said, the strongest predictors of how people respond to trauma is not the trauma itself, but who they were before that trauma. And that's powerful. I'm reading it. The strongest predictor of how people are going to respond to trauma is not the trauma itself, but who they were before trauma. Makes me think about sending people into battle. Maybe they do this. I have no idea how the military works. Maybe they do this, but I think that they should. Before they send somebody to the front lines, Let's do a look back at their life and test them on trauma. How do they react? They've got to do that with special forces. They got to know what they're dealing with. They can't have a loose cannon there. They got to know how somebody's going to react to a trauma and deal with overlaying negative patterns. Dr. Ganji says, as long as our underlying patterns, our beliefs hold true, nothing will change. This show is called self-helpful. If you are trying to change and grow and evolve, 
and you don't know your underlying patterns, they are your beliefs. You're not going to change. You've got to get those out on the table. When we, there's another statement for when we believe and agree and hold on to a pattern, we remain stuck. The meaning in your life is determined by the emotions you have about it. The meaning, and I'm going to go further, the meaning in each area of your life is determined by the emotions you have about it. You can take somebody who grew up with great relationships and the meaning they have around relationships, uh, healthy meaning of love determines the emotions that they have about relationships and they go into it with love. That's great. Great person could have trauma regarding finances. They went bankrupt, ended up homeless. And so great relationships, but the meaning in their life in regards to finances determines their emotions about that. And it's negative in another area of life. Um, we need to look at each level, each area of life. We are tethered to and sustained by our patterns. This is why new things, changes don't ultimately make us feel better in the long term as we fall back into the old feelings and patterns. Dr. Deganji said we superimpose the old patterns over the new life. That's why people try to run from their problems and we say, we're not, you're not going to. And I do have a big belief in environmental changes helping, but yes, we can still superimpose old patterns over a new life. You can take somebody who's homeless and put them into a mansion and they could theoretically end up sleeping outside under the gutter um, because that old pattern is paramount. You get the idea. I'm exaggerating it. Maybe. Familiarity keeps us from the facts of a situation because it's measured by the feelings you feel about a situation. And all those are, these are big statements. These are statements I pulled out uh, about uh, building your, um, about building your power pattern. All right. What is most comfortable and secure is what is familiar, even if it's bad. What is most comfortable and secure, what you know, what's familiar, that's what we're going to gravitate towards, even if it is bad for us. Again, that's just a great thing to understand and question. question ourselves. All right. Number seven, last one here, building your emotional power. This is what her book about Dr. Julia Ganji's book of energy rising is about. Here's the steps that she takes. She, she lists out to build your emotional power, speak up even when it's hard. Folks, that's one of my weakest areas. I'm a people pleaser. I'm afraid of conflict. It's a hard one for me. Speak up even when it's hard. Trust yourself even when others disagree with you. And so, you know what? This is, these are great too, because some of these you may have power in, some of them you may not. That first one, speak up when it's hard. That one, very difficult for me. I have weak emotional power there. Number two, trust yourself even when others disagree with you. Okay. Just again, just for an example. And I'm, I'm pretty good in that one. I've got some good emotional power there. I've learned as an entrepreneur, as an athlete, doing things that people said you couldn't do. And I did them doing things you shouldn't do, uh, doing things against the odds. I've done that enough that I have some trust for myself, even when others disagree with me. Now, I've also learned to no matter 
uh, who or, or who or what they're disagreeing. Somebody's disagreeing with me about um, to consider it. And I've had times of just not at all. And that's not wise, but to consider it, but then also trust myself. Number three, believe in yourself, even when you make a mistake. And that's hard. I'm going to, I'm going to come back to this a couple of times here. When we see proof against ourselves, we'll tend to believe it. Believe in yourself, even when you make a mistake. Everybody makes mistakes. It's so pithy to say, but it's amazing how we, almost the more intelligent you are, the more prone you are to take a mistake and cover that over with everything and not try anymore. Believe in yourself even when you make a mistake. Number four, go after your goals even when other others tell you they're unreasonable. We've heard that before, but we still have a hard time with it. Go after your goals even when others tell you they're unreasonable. Listen to other people. Give them some uh, consideration. But so often, especially, here's a big point on this. When you go after goals, you'll often have other people tell you they're unreasonable. And it's other people who have not gone after that goal, or they've definitely not achieved it. If you want to go after a goal, find people who have achieved it. And what you'll find is people who had less going for them than you do, who had more going against them and they achieved it. That's a good sign. Go, go talk to those people. Don't go after the people who've never gone after something or they went after it failed. And that was the end of the story. They're going to try to protect you. Um, be careful who you talk to and who you listen to who says it's unreasonable. Number five, do what you believe is right, even when you're afraid. Ruth Sukup has a book called, uh, I think it's Do It Scared. It's on the bookshelf behind me. I'm not going to turn around trying to find it. And I, I did a show with her, Ruth Sukup. Uh, I think it's Do It Scared. Do what you believe is right, even when you're afraid. Let the fact that you believe it's right supersede that you're afraid about it. This again, building your emotional power, Dr. Julia DeGange. Number six, seek to understand yourself even when others don't. That, that's a big one. That's one that, that I've, I've learned strength in. Seek to understand yourself even when others don't. As somebody, when you want to create something, when you want to do something new, when you want to fix something that's broken, you're going to have to see, or you may just naturally see, and that's why you're going after it. You see an opportunity that other people don't. That's innovation. That's innovation and that's invention. Seek to understand yourself even when others don't. Again, you can consider other people. Be careful who you're trying to consider. You're seeking to innovate and invent. Talk to other people who innovate and invent. Don't talk to somebody who that's not their gifting and skill. They've got giftings and skills other way, other places. Don't ask them for help there. Number seven, last one, believe in your worthiness, even in moments that don't give you clear evidence of that. And that's a big one. We tend to look at the proof of our lives that may be legit. You've tried to start a business five times and failed, or you've tried to write a book, or you've tried whatever, and you haven't succeeded. And you look at that and think that it's proof. And yet so many of the stories of the people in the books that are behind me that have been on this show are when they believed in their own worthiness and ability, even when they did not have clear evidence of it. Now, that's not the just, you know, go, go, go or uh, never, 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 never quit. You may need to quit this methodology of what you're trying, uh, of what you're doing to try to achieve X, but uh, try a different methodology. But not not give up on the ultimate goal. 
all right, folks, the big action here, because I can say all this stuff. Yeah. So what do you do? Figure out your feelings. That is not something we speak in the culture. And it's not just men. We have a cultural stereotype between the genders of men are in touch with their feel are, are not in touch with their feelings and women are. It doesn't mean they figured it out though. Neither of those are emotional intelligence. Being dead to your feelings is not emotionally intelligent. Being super emoting and run by your feelings is not emotional intelligence. We're saying figure out your feelings. Here's that feeling. What am I feeling? Recognize it. Understand why. Gosh, okay, I'm feeling this. This this happened and and this is this is what I'm feeling from it. Understand that. Why am I? Gosh, well, this is try to figure and you may not always know, but best you can understand that. Well, I'm scared of snakes because I got bit by a snake, or my friend got bit by a snake, or I saw a bad movie one time, or whatever. There's some reason. Or you may have no idea, and it may be because your great great grandfather, uh, there's a there's a story in my book about a test that they did on mice where they had them sniff something that smelled like cherries. And when they sniffed it, smelled it, they got shocked, right? So they became scared of the smell, not rocket science. That trended down in their genetics where their great-grandchildren were scared of cherry, the smell of cherries. They were never shocked. Maybe somebody got shocked in your ancestry about something and that's why you're scared. Either way, you're just trying to figure out and get truths to the fact that you're scared of the smell of cherries or whatever it may be, and then feel it. So here you are, you have a feeling, feel it. Now that's where, if you listen to my talk part two with Britt Frank, I, I had been told in the past to just sit with it, sit with the feeling did not help me sit with it and do what with it. I don't know. And I love her analogy, Britt Frank, the science of stuck, find her on Instagram, Britt Frank. Um, Walk through it. She said, walk through it, feel it, recognize it, see it, taste it, feel it, touch it, whatever. Walk through it. Understand again, why? What are you feeling and why? Walk through that and then come out on the other side. It doesn't control you. It doesn't overwhelm you. It doesn't lead you. You recognize it. You give it credit where credit's due and you come out the other side. That's leading it. That's what we're talking about with emotional power, as Dr. Julia DeGange talked about. And I'm really looking at with emotional mastery. Folks, this is a journey I'm on. I have been very ignorant of this area of my life and I have suffered from it and or I haven't benefited from greater highs in my life uh, from if I had known that. Thank you for joining me on this journey to elevate our own experience and improve the way we show up for others. I really want to thank again, Dr. Julia DeGangi. Her book is Energy Rising, the Neuroscience of Leading with Emotional Power. You can find that on Amazon or wherever you get your books. Also want to thank for uh, for joining me in part two, Britt Frank, who I've had on the show. We did a series on anxiety a few months back. Her book is The Science of Stuck, Breaking Through Inertia to Find Your Path Forward. Highly recommend the book. You can also just type in uh, Britt Frank, Self-Helpful, Kevin Miller, whatever, and you'll find that episode series. We did a four-part series on that book. Matter of fact, part three in that series, we were joined by her friend and another one of my guests, uh, Vienna Farron, whose book is The Origins of You. Um, you find Brit though, Brit Frank, B-R-I-T-T, Brit Frank. You can find her on Instagram at Brit Frank. 
Friends, if you appreciate this podcast and uh, want to share it with others, please rate the show on Spotify or leave a rating or review on Apple. Uh, you can s- subscribe on YouTube and watch the full episodes of any of these shows. Follow, uh, you can f- find me at Kevin Miller CO, uh, which is where you'll find me on any social med- media, Kevin Miller CO. And if you want to learn how to master your own inner drive, get my book, What Drives You, on Amazon. And until next time, stay driven. <laughs>